say to you this morning, friends, that you can experience absolute freedom from the things that bind you and try to drag you back down into old ways of thinking, old habits of, of behaviours and not overcoming in God. I really believe that He wants you to have absolute victory in your life today. So I want to share a little bit about that. You know, I've always been fascinated by uh, the Bible account of the God's people, the children, the nation of Israel, when God took them from being a nation of slaves and through a series of amazing miracles, He brought them out of where they were and led them on this road trip through the desert, you know, and, and He was all the time proving that He would provide for them in supernatural ways and then brought them to the point where they're about to enter into their own land, into freedom in their own country. It was really quite an amazing story. And you might say, well, what's that got to do with today? Well, it's, it's got everything to do with it. Let's read what God said to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verse 16. God said to Moses, Hey, gather the leaders of Israel. Tell them, God, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me, Moses, saying, I've looked into what's being done to you in Egypt, and I've determined to get you out of the affliction of Egypt and take you to the land of the Canaanite, Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, all those other ites, a land brimming over with milk and honey. So here they were. They've come to this point where they're on the very border of entering into their own country. And it was an amazing place. It was a land that, as it says, they're brimming with milk and honey. It was a prosperous country. It was a fertile land. It was incredible. The only problem is it was already inhabited by people that the Bible later on calls giants, and the giants thought that they belonged it belonged to them. It was their country, and they weren't going anywhere. So it was a bit of a problem. Like I said, what's this got to do with us today? What it has got to do with us is this, that all the names of those nations that were inhabiting that country, the land that God was giving to His people, that there's direct parallels between all of those and Issues and behaviours and attitudes and mindsets and things that affect us in our life and would seek to block you from moving forward as a Christian, as a believer in God. The things that God wants to do in your life, the victory and the freedom and the life and the success that God wants to give you, these things, these people, these ethnic identities, if you look into the meaning of the words and the cultural identity of these people, they were all blocking what God wanted to do in God's people. For example, the first one of them uh, means, sorry, the second one, Hittite, it means terror or fear. Another one of them means um, uh, living without boundaries or undisciplined, unrestrained. Another one of them means um, arrogant and boastful in their speech. All these kinds of things, I'm not going to go through a whole lot of them, but um, things that stand in the way of us from living a life with God that is uh, a blessing. Now, you might say, uh, well, that seems a bit unfair. Why would God dispossess these people so that some other people could move in? I don't know if you've ever asked that question or thought of that. But, you know, God, it's not unfair. God, God loves people. In fact, the Bible says that God loves the people of this world so much that he sent his own son, his only son, Jesus, to die in our place. God loves people, but he is against those cultural uh, identities and attributes 
that will uh, be a problem and be a, a blockage to us in our life moving forward in God. And so what I want to do this morning, friends, is just sh- share with you for a few moments some keys to being able to overcome when you're facing this um, issue of moving into God's inheritance for you. And you might be saying, well, I don't know. i tell you what, the people of Israel, they were, they were there on the border of their new land that God was about to give them, and they were a bit freaked out. They were saying they knew what was coming. They knew that there were people living there who didn't want to move over and let the Israelites come in. And sometimes that can be like that for us. You know, you, maybe you're standing at the edge of becoming a Christian. Maybe you're saying, I, you know, I, I, I think I believe in God. I think I believe in Jesus. But I know that if I take this step and I, and I commit myself to this, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be issues that I'm not sure if I really want to face. I want to tell you, friends, you can, and God, call, God is calling us to that. He's calling us to press in and take the land for ourselves, to take the land for yourself uh, and to be the person God wants you to be. Here are some keys to be able to do that this morning. The first one is so important is to know who you are in Christ, to know who you actually are as a follower of Jesus a believer in Jesus, before you can experience freedom and victory over sin, over those old ways of thinking, victory over the devil, you've got to understand who you are as a believer. And I want to just share with you this one scripture that is so central to this. And uh, it's, it's quite a well-known verse from the Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If anyone is in Christ, and that phrase, in Christ, occurs over and over again in the Bible. It's the status that we have. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are in Christ. That means your identity has changed. That when God looks at you, He sees that you are in Christ. He sees Jesus. As far as God is concerned, you're a blank canvas And he wants to do something beautiful, make something amazing out of your life. So what I want to do this morning is just look at those two words. If anyone uh, is a new creation, anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. I want to look at those words and what they mean in the original language. The first one, the first two words uh, in the, the original Greek that was written in, it means... To be new, this is the word new, okay? The word we translate it as new, new. It means to be new in quality or innovation, fresh in development or opportunity because not found exactly like this before. In other words, it's completely new. It's unprecedented. When the Bible says that you're a new creation, it's not an adaptation of what you are. It's not a variation. It's not an adjustment to your personality. God is saying, I'm remaking you. I'm making you completely new. And the second word there is the word creation. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. That word in the original language means it applies only to God who alone can make what was not there before. You might have heard that term in Latin, ex nihilo, or made out of nothing. In other words, God is doing something that's never been done before in you. So when you become a believer, a follower of Jesus, and His Spirit comes within you, the Holy Spirit causes you to come alive on the inside. What's happening is God is not just adjusting your 
life. He's giving you a new life on the inside. Now you might say to me, well, how come I still think the same way? How come I've still got these problems? How come everything hasn't just disappeared? All my problems haven't disappeared and vanished. We're talking here this morning, friends, about the spiritual part of you. When God comes in on the inside of your life, He makes He brings you to life on the inside. Your spirit is reborn. We still have to deal with the soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. That doesn't change overnight. Your soul is being transformed or being saved, the Bible says, and one day your body will be saved. How many of you know when you become a Christian, you don't get a brand new body straight away? But I want to tell you, God is in the process of giving you one, and one day we will all be in eternity with God, with Jesus, and you will have a supernatural body that will be completely renewed, and it won't have any of the aches and pains and weaknesses and failures that you currently have. I think that's, is that a bit of good news? That's good, Kylie. Any of those parts that have been taken away, they're going to come back. <laughs> maybe others here, maybe you've got a few, you know, metal plates put in somewhere or maybe you're missing a few pieces, bits and pieces. What about me? I'm, I'm, I might get some hair back one day, you know. But I tell you what, God is remaking and one day you'll walk in his presence with him, which will be incredible. So um, all of these words from the original Greek language, they don't mean that God is adjusting you. It means that he is making you completely new. And it's important that we get a hold of that. So I want to just um, look for a moment briefly at what the Bible says, what that means for us to be in Christ. In Christ, you were chosen by God before the creation. Let's read this Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Now, he didn't just choose you because he liked you. He chose you because he wanted to make something of you. He chose you to be holy and without fault in his eyes. We could talk all day about that. That is really incredible. In Christ Jesus, you were given grace before the world was created. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, it says, For God saved us and called us. I have to tell you, this verse of Scripture is kind of special to me because a very, very long time ago, the first time I ever preached a sermon, I preached on this passage of Scripture. I don't know if you remember that, Del. <laughs> um, it was in a church in Ipswich and... Uh, after that, I, I vowed and declared I would never, ever preach again. It was so bad, that sermon. But, but it says, God saved us and called us. I don't know what happened. I think God had other ideas. God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did it not because we deserved it. You know that you didn't deserve it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. He saved you and called you because of His mercy and His grace. Not because you were good, but because He is good. I like that. So that we can have confidence, can't we, in that? Is that right? We can have, we can have confidence because God is calling us and leading us, not because we're good, but because He is good. He is great. In Christ Jesus, in Christ you were, the Bible says, redeemed and forgiven for all your sins. Ephesians 1 verse 7. For he is so rich in kindness and grace, he purchased our freedom 
with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. See, it's important that we know all these things and to know that when the devil comes and sits on your shoulder or some little cheap demon comes and sits on your shoulder and starts whispering in your ear lies about who you are and what you deserve and you can't help yourself because that's just the way you are and you'll never get over that problem and you know life will never be better for you when those lies start coming in your ears you need to know where you stand and know what God says about you that's the only way to defeat these things knowing really where you stand as a believer in Jesus the fourth thing in Christ the Bible says and I love this one says that the righteousness of God, God's right standing, the righteousness of God has been legally transferred to you. Now, you've got to think about this a little bit, you know, and, and to take hold of this. I, I'm just saying, you, you know, it's, it, this defies human understanding and logic. I'm just asking you to embrace this and take it because God said, I didn't say this, God said this, now I am saying it. 2 Corinthians 5, for our sake God made Christ to be sin who knew no sin so that through or in him we might become the righteousness of God. So the Bible says, I am now the righteousness of God in Jesus because of Jesus, because I'm in him. Now that's one of the most powerful confessions of your mouth you can ever make. One of the most uh, powerful statements you can ever say in the face of temptation when the devil comes against you to say devil get lost because I am now the Bible says the righteousness of God in Christ so I'm I want to encourage you this morning friends to stop saying I'm a sinner saved by grace I think you should stop saying that I, I haven't been saying that for years now since I began to understand these things I tell you what you were a sinner you were a sinner and God's by God's grace, he came in and he transformed you and he made you a new creation. Now you're a child of God. You belong to his family. You are being reformed and remade on the inside. You are, you are setting your attention and your affection on things that are above. He is changing and uh, transforming your thinking. So you're not a sinner any, any longer. You're a saint, the Bible says. You know, it sounds... Um, quite humbling and self-effacing to say I'm a sinner saved by grace. But if it's not true, friends, every time you say that, you lose ground. Don't, I, I encourage you, don't, don't say that. You were a sinner, then you were saved by grace, and now you're a new kind of person. You're a saint and your new identity is in Christ. You, you probably might know this, but that word saint is in, in the original language is exactly the same word as the word holy and sanctified they're all translations of the same greek word saint and holy is the same you are the bible says god looks at you as being holy in him okay second thing so know who you are in christ second thing know who's with you who is standing right beside you that's really important when you face these uh, challenges and obstacles that that are trying to block your way to becoming everything god wants you to be it's important to know who stands beside you, who is with you. Just imagine for a moment you are a 10-year-old kid and you're, you're, you know, you're down at the beach with your parents one day and 
you're there just having a good time, making a sandcastle or whatever. And along comes the schoolyard bully. And he's, he wants to give you a hard time. He's kicking sand in your face or whatever. And you're, you're, you don't know what to do, you know. This kid's a bit bigger than you and whatever. So you just look around and you see your, your dad is up there, you know, up there on the beach a bit further. He's about 10 feet tall and he's built like a truck, right? And so he's just sitting there, just watching all this happen, not, not moving. He's watching. But after a while, he starts to get up and move down towards you, towards this little altercation that's happening. What, what are you going to be feeling about there at that moment? What would you feel then? You'd be feeling like you were 10 feet tall as well, wouldn't you? Would you? Because you know that the person who is with you is just going to sort it all out. It's just going to be dealt with. It's going to be sorted out. So we need to know who is standing with us. And God says to the people of Israel, when they're about to go into the promised land, this, when you go to war against your enemy and you see horses and chariots and soldiers, we could say, you know, tanks and planes and machine guns and submarines, for outnumbering you, when you see all those things, those things far outnumbering you, do not recoil in fear of them. For God, your God, who brought you up out of Egypt is with you. Don't waver in resolve. Don't fear. Don't hesitate. Don't panic. God, your God, is right there with you, fighting with you against your enemies, fighting to win. Now, we know that we're not wrestling against physical enemies, but spiritual enemies, like I said before, those little insinuations, those things that try and put fear in you, those things that try and put confusion in you, those things that try and put anger within you, those little spiritual strongholds of the devil that try and cause all kinds of lust, those kinds of temptation, those kinds of wrong thinking, uh, that negativity and a critical spirit, all of those kinds of things that we all need to overcome in our life. Just need to know that God is with you. You might, you might be feeling like, I can never overcome those negative characteristics in my life. But God says, don't be afraid. I'm with you. He's standing right with you right now, today. The last thing is, you are no longer condemned. And this is important for us to know because one of the main tactics of the enemy, you know, is to bring condemnation into your mind and to say, you don't deserve being helped. You don't deserve, uh, you know, freedom in God because you are condemned. Look at what you did last week or look at those thoughts that went through your mind yesterday. You know, how can you ever get over those things? You are guilty. I want, to, I want you to know this morning, friends, that Jesus, the Bible says, has already been condemned and judged for my sin and your sin. Jesus has already been condemned. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2 says, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world, and that means for all time. So Jesus has already been judged, has already been condemned and judged and punished on the cross for your sins. It's so important for us to get a hold of this. You know, when God accepted the death of his son as complete payment for your sin and my sin, I want to ask you this morning if you really believe that. Because one of the lies of the enemy will be, yeah, sure, Jesus died on the cross here, but you still deserve to be punished for what you did. You still deserve punishment. 
And you and I have got to take a hold of this, friends, and realise that when Jesus died on the cross, it was the complete punishment for your sin. He, was the, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and for the sins of the whole world. Really important. He took the rap for us, for you and me. So the amazing thing is that when, when that happened, when Jesus died on the cross for us, it was like a quantum leap forward from what you read in the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament, where the animal sacrifices, people would bring an animal and, and sacrifice that animal to cover their sins, not to take them away, but to cover their sins. And the Bible says that when Jesus died, there's a major, major difference. He only ever had to die once. Jesus died once and that's it. Hebrews 9 verse 26, Now, once for all time, He has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin. How about that? To remove sin by His own death as a sacrifice. It was a once for all time sacrifice. And so here's the, here's the great thing that I want us to take a hold of this morning, that Jesus can never, ever be condemned again for sin. He's, he was punished on the cross. He bore our sins in his body on the cross, the Bible tells us. He can never again be condemned, and neither can you, because you are in Christ. Friends, we need to know that even our legal system is based on this that we have in, in, in this country, that if you are accused and condemned of one crime, you can't be accused and condemned of the same crime again later on. That's the origins of our legal system. And so because Jesus can never be condemned again, neither can you be condemned because you are in Christ. That's why it's important for us to know that we are in Christ, that I'm in Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that the devil won't try to condemn you. It doesn't mean that he's not going to sit on your shoulder and start whispering condemning thoughts into your mind. Of course he'll try and do that. But what it does mean is that there is no actual condemnation that you deserve. You don't deserve to be condemned because you are a child of God right now. That's why the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. That's what it says. And that's for you. We should, we should all say that. You know, there is, can we say that? There is now, therefore, and it's not up there, sorry. There is therefore now, you just got to know it. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Now, if you can say that when those thoughts of condemnation come in your mind, then it's going to be a powerful thing. So what happens when you stumble, when I stumble and sin? What happens when that happens? I'm not trying to tell you that you'll never fail. I'm not trying to tell you that I never fail. I make mistakes. You make mistakes. What, what, what do I do? What happens then? The, the, the first thing is God is not abandoning you. He doesn't abandon you. His love for you is constant and unchanging. So how do, how do I respond? People talk a lot about this word from the Bible, uh, the word repent, okay, repent. And to, to repent uh, literally means, if you go back to the original language, it means to think differently. That's what it means. And, you know, repenting uh, is good. It's, it's really good. And, it's, and we need to do that. It's a good thing to do, to repent 
means to say, God, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to live like that. I don't want to think like that. I don't want to be like that. That's not me. That's, that's a good thing to do. But I want to tell you this, repenting won't save you and it won't give you victory over those things on its own. Because I've seen people, friends, who, uh, who will who make them you know, do something wrong, some habitual problem they might have. And every day they're repenting of that and the next day they go and do it again. It's not bringing them victory. Victory comes when you know who you are in Christ and you start to confess and declare who you are and it starts to get right down deep into your spirit. You start to actually believe it and you start to have that authority that comes out of that in your life over the works of the enemy. So I, I want to say simply this, when you sin, when you fail, when you stumble, when you make a mistake, whatever, begin to declare your position in Christ. Begin to declare his love for you and declare how much you love him and who you are as a believer. Declare that you are righteous before God because of the sacrificial death of his son and declare that you're a child of God, that you are in Christ today, that's the great key uh, to overcoming when you feel like you're going to be overwhelmed. I wonder, can our creative team come back this morning uh, as we bring this to a close? Friends, it goes like this. Right believing ultimately will lead to right behaving because you can't believe something that's true and right about yourself when it's such a transformational uh, belief. If you believe that, it will begin to change your thinking. It'll begin to change your life, change your attitudes and your approach uh, when you do that. Right believing will lead to right behavior ultimately. So I just encourage you this morning, friends, to just to keep on saying, today I'm a child of God. His love for me is unchanging. He became sin for me so I might become the righteousness of God in Christ. And I have victory over every work of the enemy in my life. You don't need to say I'm a sinner saved by grace any longer. You can say I'm a, I'm a saint because God called me to be his child. I, be- I belong to God. I belong to Jesus right now. Why don't we close our eyes for a moment and begin to pray.